Hey everybody, Coach John Daly here back again. Today's date is Thursday, October 18, 2018. The Parent-Teacher Conference Edition with Ooh. both a parent and a teacher. Mr. Jeff West is my guest today. Uh, Jeff Hello. is a co-worker of mine. Uh, we figured out for 17 years, I guess I was aging him because I thought it was a heck of a lot longer, but we... I, dog I, years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> old dog new. We're gonna talk about that old dog new. Yeah, sorry, no new tech. Just yes, yeah. we'll get that plug in. But Jeff, how the heck are you, buddy? I'm doing okay. Uh, thanks for you know asking me to do this. I'm enjoying the podcast life. It's kind of unique, I guess. Where else could you ramble on for a few seconds or minutes and and uh, take a shot that people are going to listen to you maybe a little bit better? But I try not to ramble. I mean, yeah. I try to look up my stuff. And don't we all? Yeah, but. I, I enjoy this, so this is great. I, um, I enjoy the the thought of, or rather, the idea of, of podcasting, not just as what we're doing, but uh, for kids. And yeah. So, forth. so it's cool. That's fantastic. Cool so a little bit about since you started in, uh, with the podcasting that you you started uh, a couple months ago, or how yeah. long has it been? And yeah. And what is what is your podcast all about? What's the name of it? Um, I old dog new tech, and the thought process is I'm over 50 and so many of the educators newer educa- mm. uh, older educators experienced there educators um, sometimes don't like change and particularly technology because it is overwhelming and intimidating but for me it, it's just uh, I don't know I just like it, it kind of fits my wiring my I like something new and different and uh, kind of making changes all of the time and um, I really enjoy the integrating and you know, pedagogy of it. So, yeah, I started um, podcasting. I'm on episode 17 or 18. Nice. So I try to do two a week. And um, uh, mostly it's about what I'm doing in my class or what I've done starting from, uh, say, a more experienced teacher point of view. I try to consider that every in every episode because it's not, you know, the young teachers, they grew up with this. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they may not be as learned in how to apply it yet in the classroom, but it's just different yeah. than for those of us that remember mimeographs and carbon paper. Yep. Oh, um, boy. It's, uh, it's just a different thought process and change process. Um, so that that's really why I started the podcast. I just noticed talking to different folks that some were so... I wouldn't say against it, but just uh, resistant. Mm. You know, the whole all the laggards and the early innovators and early yep. adopters. You know, a, a lot of laggards. Um, but to be fair, how many educational processes and frameworks have we seen in our career yeah, that come and go uh, for different reasons? Some because they just weren't supported locally, but some because they were flawed. Mm. And um, so we we abandoned them, or they go by the wayside. Although the Power standards are coming back. I looked at my 2008 files in my computer and pulled them up. And some of them, I need, they need updating, but it's same same thought process. The, pi- the, the pendulum always comes back, doesn't it? <clears throat> yeah. School, about fashion. About 10 years. Yeah. 10, 15 years is about right. For, um, so I, I guess I started the podcast as a result. I had been blogging, which was then from mm. my masters in ed tech that I got that was part of the graduating requirements was to start some sort of social connection nice to share your to share your work so so thanks for you going out for your masters in this area 
really kind of started the ball rolling with, with the blogging and then the podcasting and, and stuff like that. That's very yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I thought about like a video <clears throat> channel, and I still am not sure I won't revert to that because mm -hmm. so many things that I discuss are, I think might be better if it was video, but mm -hmm. it's harder. If, you know, you got to sit down and watch that. You can't listen in the car or right. um, listen while you're working around the house or whatever. So, the, you know, the podcast is a good thing. So I think I've... A couple of episodes I've talked about it, and I linked a video. Just showing real quick the tool, or um, I don't think I've done too many lessons, but it's mostly tools. If, if there's a video, cool. it's a, of what the tool looks like and how do you use it. That's good. So hey, we got uh, we got Jeff West in the present day of what he's going on and doing a new degree and new ventures uh, besides teaching. Uh, but you are uh, a band director by trade. Yes. Always have been. Always yeah. in Michigan, or did you teach elsewhere? Um, I started in Indiana, and I had one job that did not go well, my first job. Gotcha. Um, some of it's my fault. Um, at the time, early teacher mistakes and youth, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. Some of it was the administration I was working for. So Then I uh, went to Arizona with my now wife. We hadn't got married yet. We got married when we came back four years later to central Indiana. Up here to Michigan, in one school before now. So, was that five jobs? I think. Um, but you know, all experiences. Um, at the time, I always remark. You know, I smile back about some of them now. But at the time, it wasn't all that funny. You know, a couple. Mm -hmm. of, you know, a couple of them. It was just. Uh, I don't know. Just the way it worked out. Yeah. Um, it was very odd. I'm gonna tell you um, the job before this one. Uh, I applied for the job while I was down in Indiana to move up into Michigan and the administration that was at that place came down to see me in Indiana which was about a six hour trip seven hour mm -hmm. trip so I'm, here I am a pup teacher I don't know I think I even had ten years of teaching yet I think I had six maybe five yeah wow. and so I'm thinking wow I'm feeling like an NBA you know, rock star here they're, kind of, they're recruiting me and they were great great guys I was talking with them I remember going home to my wife saying this could be it this is I can't believe they came down to, to see me first off but, but they had had a situation and they were trying to rec rectify it and time I moved up there um, both of those administrators that came to see me had taken other jobs oh my god <laughs> so I had a brand new administration <clears throat> excuse me and totally opposite philosophies for the guys that hired me. Ooh, wow. And um, uh, so it was rough. And I was following, it was really a rough situation. I, you go back three directors, and the two before the guy I followed are icons in this state still today at mm -hmm. the jobs that they're at. And the guy that came in after that, I'm not sure he's in education anymore. Right. Just, you know, just not a good experience. Didn't right. go well for him. So, you know, I stuck it out the best I could for a couple of years and then uh, found this position and came over to interview. And lo and behold, one, a friend of mine, when I was getting my master's at Central, was on the interview committee. I didn't, didn't know he was here. And so now we're really good friends now, Chris. Yep. And um, it just, I don't know, we were talking about the pendulum swinging or up hills and down hills. Uh, you know, positive and negatives, but I, gotta tell, I, I say a lot of times that while a lot of those negative times have helped me because other people have had similar situations mm -hmm. and I have experience in that area so I can help them so it's helped me with the union representation and yep. uh, 
so I know I kind of rambled here, but yes, band has been my thing. I did coach out in Arizona for a few years. I coached in Indiana, mostly middle school uh, basketball, and uh, but out in Arizona, I did um, basketball, softball, helped with some intramural football. Wow. It was a different kind of thing with the sports in, yeah. the, in Arizona. And then, of course, Indiana at the time, I think it's still a fairly strong basketball school, but it was still yeah. pretty heavy, strong at that time. Absolutely. Things wow. have shifted a bit. You know, talent and so forth have shifted. Yeah. Uh, but always in music and teaching uh, K-12, settled into high school, uh, but I also done, you know, church choirs as a member and a leader, church groups, um, others, community band. Yeah, I played in a polka band in Indiana for a while <laughs> as a sub. Um, just kind of, I just kind of hung on because these guys had played together for years. Yeah. So they'd call up some polka and I'm frantically leafing through papers trying to find the piece and they're, you know, kicking right into it. And uh, I felt, you know, about one inch tall just in my musical ability, but that's kind of what music can do. I mean, oh, you, can, absolutely. you can definitely excel at it and then also it can be very humbling. Yes. It's a very life, very parallel with life art is. Yeah, there's so much uh, that Jeff and I have talked about over the years as far as music goes and how it fits in just about everything. And um, this morning coming in, I was listening to uh, Oprah's Masterclass mm. and John Bon Jovi was the person yeah. sharing his story and he hit that exact thought about how music transcends to everybody different languages different walks of life different ages different genders everything and it is it is the great uh, transformer i think that makes connections so the journey has been you know enjoyable there's been a lot yeah. going on where did your journey start where did you grow up family dynamics um, school you went high school you went to and i was in indiana uh, lagrange county which is just south of sturgis michigan in Coldwater. a small town um Trying to think, one or two stoplights. Wow! I think one. I think it has two or three now. Okay. I mean, it's Boom progress. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's booming. Uh, but uh, the Amish community was there, mm. so there were all kinds of uh, hitching posts for buggies, and you had to watch as you're driving because the uh, they'd be on the road. It's just different, you know. Went to school with uh, with Amish uh, kids as well as I don't know. The rest of us, yep. me, you know, else, yeah. style, my my uh, cultural background. Um, so that was kind of a, a unique experience for me, and I take it for granted because I just see it, and then what other I just see Amish, or I'll see a movie, or see a story, or something about it, and it doesn't phase me. But other people have no idea; they've mm -hmm. never seen that. So it's a, a very interesting culture, uh, and I enjoyed. The friends that I made, mm. out of them, they were they That's were good. pretty good. But they usually uh, those kids went to school a couple of years later, so that when they hit eighth grade, they were at sixteen, and um, that made a lot of physical differences. You know, when we're PE class and you're trying to you're playing flag football, and those guys <laughs> are just running all over. <laughs> you know, they're so fast. And of course, Balen Hay helps a little bit too. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, so I was on a lake, and my parents. Um, my mom was musical, very musical uh, growing up, and my dad uh, could do music but hadn't really done as far as an organized music scene. May maybe a couple of things, but it was more business-oriented. Okay. Um, 
and trying to think as far as even further down family I mean people had musical ability but it wasn't anything my, like my sister and I were both pretty musical um, but she's seven years younger than I so we had oh, wow. you know I was out of high school and well into college before she graduated and you know things were just changing at that time and so my parents split and so that kind of changed that dynamic and it's the changed the relationship there uh, I think they're both remarried now and you know fine and my sister is is down and she has children and is working in music and you know doing things so it has skipping over a lot of years there of, uh, of development but you know when you're seven years apart not that we don't have anything in common, but right. we um, we just came along at different times. Yeah. You know, family dynamic, their um, relationships are fluctuated as you go through uh, family kind of repositioning, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But we, um, what else did I have there in Indiana? I played a lot of basketball because I ended up being over six feet uh, tall my senior year it took a long time. I grew two or three inches in high school, uh, college. And your height now is how tall? Are you? Six four. Yes. Yeah. So at that time, that was you know Andre the Giant, so to speak. <laughs> you know that was, uh, you know, you look at the record books about Wilt Chamberlain, and well, yeah, because the next tallest guy was six eight. You know, he's seven foot tall. It, it's just uh, was that way, but now there's seven footers all over the place. Mm. And it was the same in my small school. So if I, if you were a male and tall, you're playing basketball. And if you didn't, there was something wrong with you. And they'd be, you know, what's wrong with you? Right. Uh, you see that movie Hoosiers. Uh, there's a lot of parallels with that. I remember when my high school, I was a junior. I think we've talked about this story. I was a junior in high school, I think, or sophomore. I wasn't playing varsity ball. Uh, they won the sectional, and their tallest guy was 6'2". Wow. That was the center. Wow. Uh, but they shot uh, 75 80% from the field <laughs> through sectional, 90% from the line. Oh. It was just, you know, if you foul, and you were going to foul them because they were quicker and they had good good guards. But, yeah. But uh, when, then they were going down to Fort Wayne. That was their regional. And so you ran into... Uh, Bishop Dwayne or Bishop Lewers. There were a couple of other. There were several Fort Wayne schools that are much like some of the Detroit schools you ran into. And you know they started. Their guards were six three, mm. and then their forwards were six 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 seven. Brothers that were you know going to Division One. And, and needless to say, they didn't make it past the first game at, okay. at regional. Now Indiana State high school basketball, like in the Hoosiers movie. There's no class A, B, C, or D. Or there division. wasn't at that time. Okay, there is uh, now. There is now. Okay, yeah. so back then, yeah, a little school could go up against a big school. Yeah, there was a big, a big uh, pushback mm-hmm. by the. Uh, I think his name is Jimmy Plump, but if you watch the movie Chitwood, uh, yes, he was from. Forgive me, sorry, people. I, if you haven't even listened, I, I don't remember your school name. But, uh, it wasn't Argus. Argus was the last, I think, that it was a real small, like under 100 kids in the class mm. that either went to state or won state. You know, they wow. were playing, yeah. And but they had a couple of just incredible, incredible talent and shooting. You know, they looked at the basket and flipped it and it went in. You know, right. just they just had that kind of, that of talent of of, ac- of accuracy, um, and I. 
the class system was there was a lot of uh, resistance mm. um, for that. They liked the, the drama and the opportunity when everybody played. Yeah, so, the David and Goliath, right? Yes, they liked that yeah. very much. Well, talking about basketball, there was a time early on um, in the days here at Lakeshore that we had the staff get-togethers <laughs> in the so morning still before the school. <laughs> and let me tell you, I went up against you, Jeff. I couldn't move you. I had to. I had to get away from you. I had to expand my game and get away from the basket because I couldn't. I couldn't do anything against you. And yeah, I had to use. That was my. That was my talent. It wasn't speed. Right. You know, not a lot of speed in, in this body, but a, a lot of uh, just rock wall. Yeah. You know, taking and, care of the lane and yeah, you know, <laughs> and rebounding. Yeah. The Lamb Beer, the Bill Lamb Yes. Beer, if you remember, he didn't jump much, but boy, if you came in there, you, oh, you were going to get yeah, it. Yeah, it only took one time for me <laughs> to say, "I'm not doing that again." Yeah, that's enough. That's exactly. <laughs> Well, let me ask, if uh, music obviously started early on in your life, uh, and both parents were musically connected, which is really cool. If it wasn't for music, what would what would Jeff West be doing right now? You know, I've thought about that only because, you know, you have those days where you're going, is this the right job? Yeah. <laughs> Should I, early, you know, even in my latter days here, I, as I'm getting toward the retirement age, I consider that question and mm. it's not so much because I don't like what I'm doing it's again I'm just that kind of person that I like to do new things mm -hmm. and I think when Ed, Ed Tech came along um, that for a while I thought ah, it's just the um, uh, novelty of technology mm -hmm. I just like all the clicking and the sharing and the ooh, look at the images and then as I started getting into it and looking at the research for how it helps with education and kids, I realized, no, this is a pretty serious gig. So had had it been now, earlier, I probably would have, not probably, I would have definitely gone into coding and, mm. and uh, or some sort of, uh, what do they call it, back end yes. of the technology. Yes. Um, I just like that preparation. Um, I'm not a, I'm not like a, pure, perfect planning type of a person. You know, some people can just plan, and that's what they do. Uh, but I do plan a lot. I mean, I do I do like to coordinate and, and, uh, and communicate, so I could see, you know, some sort of career at the event or managing type of thing. But probably I would have just chosen another subject. Yeah. You know, history was interesting. Yep. And uh, coaching, history and coaching. Cool. The, that pair that goes along and then maybe administration I don't know it's, it's a hard kick I, I've thought about that many times and I know you have your, your degree uh, in, in leadership and I just think there's a when you take a gig like that you're thinking you got to be ready for the 5% that you're dealing with mm. um, and then you know all of the other thankless tasks that you get into but obviously there's a reason you have a Philosophy, a thought, a drive right. that that makes you think about the bigger picture, and so you don't always focus on the smaller barriers. But um, I just never pursued that. But I, I could see probably in another direction hmm. had I not, because band has an incredibly busy schedule. Yes, and I'm, and I don't even do. I only do about half to seventy percent of what's available. There's a lot 
those competitive band is out there and that's a lot more money in fundraising and time on the weekends um, there are other things for students to do other bands and groups you know there's a professional group for uh, band directors and some are really active in it and leaders and presidents and treasurers and so forth right and then there's me who I do some things but not and then there's others of course that are not very active I, but you know it's so, and not that teaching a core subject isn't busy, it's just different busy. Absolutely. I think it's a, a more manageable busy, uh, and you don't have the, you are the central figure. Mm-hmm. Mm, you know, that's a good point. When there's a, when there's a concert, I've got, I'm on, so I work all day, and then I'm on that night. Yep. And I don't have any papers to grade, and I don't have any, I have standards and so forth to go by, so that's kind of the trade-off. Right. I get a lot of papers to grade, but in many of the core subjects. But um, it's the performances and, and then the booster meetings to organize mm-hmm. that performance. And again, not complaining, that's just yep. what it is. Yeah, there's sometimes there's what, 14, 16 hour days? Yes, there can be. And when yeah. you're competing, you're more than that every weekend, Absolutely. every Saturday is. I mean, if you're seriously doing it, you might get one Saturday off, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, depends on how serious yeah. you are with it. I always like that question from the standpoint of what else. Is there out there that you know you weren't doing if you weren't doing what you're doing today? Yeah, and it always a lot of times leads to you know a second, third career. It's always like reinventing yourself, and I know we've talked about that. Where it's exciting to look ahead for what's next because you know both you and I retire, which will be sooner than later. Like I've told my students, I have you know more yesterdays than they do. They got more tomorrows, right? Right. Um, I'm not gonna be sitting around with my feet up and right. You know, just yeah, I don't think watching TV. Yet. No. Uh, you got to. I get restless still in the summer. Absolutely. But, you know, oh, so do I. So do I. Some people are just not ready for summer to be over, and you know, there's times like that for me. But uh, mostly speaking, um, I kind of miss the study of the masters that I was doing mm. in the summer. You know, I don't have this past summer. It was nice because it was my first one off in two years. But I was ready. Yeah, for, I'm ready for something, but I think it's more at my pace and my choice. Now. Good for you. I think, as you say, you know, you're get we're we're getting with more yesterdays, and when I look back at those, that's the one thing is I'd like to have as much uh, control, more so than I had in my younger days, where you just had this is what you do, mm-hmm. There's no choices. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have a favorite book? Are you a reader? You know, I I made uh, that was a goal this summer, and I got into a book. And I ended up reading four books, but mm. you know, a couple of them are fairly short. Yeah, uh, I think some books, especially in the professional area, are getting shorter because they know our attention spans and willingness to absolutely. You know, if it's if it's a not or a fiction book or something, you know, they they can maybe make it a little longer, but because it's more for enjoyment. But I read, uh, gosh, I would say. I have enjoyed Stephen King books, mm. mostly short stories. Interesting. Um, I have started reading some of the classics, and I'll get into them. And then, for me, it was clear the author was writing for the sake of the art of writing, and not so much for the reader and the story, Ooh. their use of words and and so forth. And wow. I'm a comprehension in reading has always been. As a young kid, I had trouble with that. And yes. Uh, and I still do as an adult, but I just take a little more time and, mm-hmm. and go back over it. But as a result, I don't. I hadn't given that time to do that. And also, any reading I had done was for a degree. Mm. Um, and 
music time, you know, you're practicing. Something had to give, in other words, what I'm saying. So I would say short stories, The Skeleton Crew, you know, I have read by Stephen King. I enjoyed that. Um, trying to th- I, there were several other books that aren't coming to mind that I've read that uh, were pretty good stories, but uh, those I remember because it was kind of the first one where it was interesting and engaging, but also he had he had very good character development and the things that he focused on in the character development and fear. Boy, how he could write fearful things into um, into a story. That's a wow. that's a gift. It's like almost like painting a, a you know yeah. if you were able to communicate fear of some sort through painting. Uh, I anyway he just. Wow. I I, uh, I remember after I read that just really admiring that that ability to write. So and he had done cool. some other stories and so forth that were as much say the on the gore as so so often people think of him in that way. It's right. more about just the fear, the natural everyday things. That's very cool. Uh, so I enjoyed that. But I recently read Daniel Pink's book called um, When the Science, the Science of Perfect Timing. Scientific. It's very interesting. Very good read. I'm going to go back and reread it because there's just a lot. I was talking about group dynamics and how to get groups in sync and uh, things about individuals. I, uh, even as I did a podcast on it, and I think I said in the podcast, look, I'm going to talk about this book, but you really need to read it because I'm not even scraping the surface. Right. Um, that's a good point doing that. He had done another book which I was thinking about reading called Drive and I think that's about motivation, mm-hmm. people motivation. But his research uh, is, uh, he takes, he finds different research and he pulls it together and that, you know, that's his gift to me, one of his gifts, just for reading his, his ability to uh, pull data together and, and form opinions. Um, yeah, the one about the motivation sounds intriguing to me. And the you know experts like that, when they start bringing those ideas to you, and you can see things from a different point of view. I think that's powerful. On top of the fact that you enjoy reading, and, and so do I. And it's one of those things I think we try to get our kids to do that, um, and it's tough because they don't they don't see the picture yet. They're still right. This was just said. Uh, I think Brian Buffini mentioned this about in Les Brown. Um, mentioned about it's so hard to see, you know. Uh, the big picture sometimes when you're still inside the frame mm. when you're still inside yeah, there that's a good way to say it and your barriers are up and your boundaries and your ways of doing things and your comfort zone and all that and, and books help push us out of that they really right. do and the fact that you brought up hey I can read that one again because there was boy was there a lot in there plus yeah. you're a different person now the second time you read it yeah and I think for me, reading has always been that. I mean, I'll read something, but then I'll go back and read it again because of my comprehension stuff yes. I, you know, I struggle with in school. But um, also because uh, I just don't know. <clears throat> it's like when you meet somebody and you talk to them once, and you might remember their name and the subject you talked about, but I bet you forget some of the some of the little oh, yeah. details. And so you go back and get to know them, and you decide that. Right. It's kind of the same way for me with books. It's almost a relationship thing. Yes. Ooh, I like that. Um, where you're going back to them. But I, uh, a new thing for me, too, this following kind of the old dog, New Tech, was I bought the book in Google Books. So I had it on my device. Mm. So then when I would be reading, I would highlight something. And I didn't realize this. It created a folder and put it in my Google Drive. Oh, wow. So I could go back and look at my notes. And it would 
if I clicked on it, it wouldn't always put all the words, but if I clicked on it, it would take me to that spot in the book. Mm. And I I mean, I think we're years from that just because money's going to hold that up with right. publishers and schools and, you know. But boy, if kids could do that in, in class, mm. if we could do that with our textbooks and say, okay, you know, read this, highlight this passage to make a note so you can come back to it. Wow. Uh, I just think the research part of education is going to change where kids' ability to recall information is going to be so almost not even important. Where with us it was multiplication tables and, you know, uh, foreign language it was verbs and you right. know, tense. And so you had to be able to list all those. No, I'm thinking yeah. flashcards. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. It doesn't even matter anymore because yeah. you're going to have that. You can look it up. How, how can you research and find that? Uh, what skills do you have? That I think is kind of where we're headed. But I bought this book in Google Books, and uh, really, that enhanced the reading for me because mm. of the the screen and being able to. I tap a word if you'd use yes. it, and it would say "look up," and I could look it up right there. I didn't have to go get the dictionary. So, do you like that version of reading, the new technology way, other than compared to having a real book in your hands and turning pages? Only for the notes portion. Okay. Um, wow. I still had I had two or three highlighters out when I was what book was it? I was oh George Kuros's book, um, Innovative Mindset, mm. and making different colors because some of his stuff was about one area and I wanted to do one thing and so I found myself you know painting it up with all different kind of colors and uh, I enjoyed that too. Um, not as many say words to look up or quotes or things to go to, but. I, you know, I don't know. I, I have a hard... I think I'm really on the fence with it. Seriously, I'm, it's not that I'm afraid for the change. It's just uh, having that paper in your hand. I think they, I think there's some research you know, showing that that is more interactive for people and engaging. Yeah, rather. definitely I for some people. It's nice to be online, but uh, if you don't download that book onto your device, then you're done if mm -hmm. you don't have a connection. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, yeah, things are sure changing for you sure. You can lose it too, so it's absolutely much easier than the book. Um, now I know, as far as the people in your life, your parents were a big influence. Your wife's a big influence, big helper. Is there somebody out there who um, you know, at a cross crossroads of life where, boy, without them coming into your life, you would not be where you are today? Whether it's a teacher, a coach, a professor in college, is there somebody that you could really kind of single out that made a, just a huge difference in your life? You know, there's quite a few. I guess it, I would have to think back. I mean, my high school band director was very was the first one to show me a lot of musical skills, mm. and um, he's a pretty good teacher as well. Uh, just in presenting it, I still use a lot of the things he taught me on uh, uh, jazz and improvisation to teach kids. I use a lot of the same framing. Um, Terminology, okay. stories. Uh, college, <clears throat> excuse me, I had a director for three years at Manchester, and he was a band director at, uh, here in Michigan, and he's up in Interlock, and he's pretty pretty well known in the state and had, has written a book on actually the Norm Dietz, who's the director at Central mm -hmm. uh, before Jack Saunders. And um, he was more of the pedagogy teaching 
people style, you know, that he just had a, a not that the other guys weren't good teachers, but he he just kind of understood how to talk about it and and frame it for a college kid, mm. you know. Okay. Um, after that, there are different people who were friends or took a chance or supported. Mm -hmm. um, I remember after my first job down in Indiana where uh, it was just not good and I had an administrator after me and, and it came out toward the end of the time that I left there that uh, the superintendent called me into the office. Uh, in Indiana, the principal had to sign the back of your teaching certificate or you couldn't get your professional. You couldn't apply. You'd be either leave education or you'd be stuck in the provisional. And I'd had a bad year, don't get me wrong, but um, it wasn't all me. There were, uh, just to give you a little background, there were, in the past three, four years, they had had eight different teachers in this position that I took. Wow. People just would do it for a while and they'd just quit mid-year, mid mid uh, grading period yeah it was just not good that was not supported they were there were it was rough kind of a dumping ground place it was just not good yeah. and the and the administrator that I had I somehow took a disliking to me after a couple of mistakes that I made now, this was my first job first year teacher so you know I don't know about you, but yeah, I remember. <laughs> I cannot remember a first-year teacher that didn't make at least a mistake a week. Oh my gosh! That yeah. that everybody had to, you know, knew about. Right. You know, forgot buses. Yes. Or, um, your grades are due, and you didn't click or turn in the yes. right. You know that kind of stuff, and Absolutely. that's the kind of mistakes I was making. Or uh, I was in a country area, so I, you know, I also taught in elementary, so I had to be at different elementaries that were 15 minutes away from the high school that I also was teaching at. And inevitably, I'd be late because country roads, and, and so you know, I had those little things going on. Wow. And so somewhere down the line, that that principal decided she didn't like me, and so it was toward the end. Um, and I think the union had gotten involved, or at least my mentor teacher that I had, which was a, another kind of mess up on their part, because the mentor teacher wasn't even in my core area, and I was on the opposite side of the building, so they couldn't really ever come over to help me out. It was wow. just not a good situation yeah. there, which I didn't know at the time. I found all this because I'm a first year teacher. I, right. I thought that's the way it's supposed to be done. Absolutely. So I superintendent calls me in and he says, uh, he said, there's been some things going on here that I didn't know about. And uh, I just want you to know, next time you ever get in this kind of trouble, you make sure you go see your superintendent. Don't, you're not on your own. Mm. And that guy, I still remember, uh, I remember him telling me that, that was, you know, when you talk about influential, mm -hmm. um, he was probably an excellent superintendent I didn't get to work for uh, for more than a year, but he made that principal come in and signed the back of that, and, and no, she was not happy. She came in, signed it, and left the room, and he said, she's not happy, but uh, I'm not sure how long she'll be here. Mm. And he said, and I'm sorry that this worked out this way. He said, you might have been fine, but, you know. Wow. You know, it was, he said, I, he said, I'm sorry that it didn't, you know, you should have come here, come done this, and he said, but you know, you're a first year teacher, how would you know? Yes. Um, and the, I think the guy who was my mentor teacher was in the room, and they knew each other pretty well, country school, you know, they probably farmed something together. Right, you know, absolutely. Went on, probably together. went on yeah. together, you know. And, uh, and he was in the room, and again, my first job, so I didn't know, but now as I look back, I'm like, well, if I see a first year, second year, third year, whatever, a teacher mm. who's nervous and they're in a situation, mm. I tell them that story. And uh, boy, does that, you can almost see the blood pressure 
gauge yes. going down, you know, because it yes. happens to everybody. Oh my you know, God, yes. When you look at me or I look at you, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, um, you just think that, oh, it's always been fine. And no, it has not been you, fine. You, and, you. and those people that you're asking me about, uh, that's usually the ones that help me out of those yes. things. I mean, it, I'm grateful to my teachers, of course, but it's these people that you don't really know and the fact that they had the morals and the strength to say, I don't know, this yes. this isn't right. Wow. I miss that. You don't sometimes that seems to be a dying uh, thread or characteristic of people. Yep. You don't see it as often as or maybe it could be that I'm just old and yeah. less patient. But uh, I don't think you see people who make that decision based upon their own feelings and mm -hmm. not what would everybody else think. Yeah, that, that whole empathy thing of uh Another thing that Brian Devine, I think, mentioned was about, you know, always talked about or told about walking in someone else's shoes. Yeah. But you got to take off your own shoes first to do that. Yeah. And so I love the fact that you recognize it in new teachers around here that you'll just talk to them and just, you know, whether it's in a meeting or before school, after school, or in the hallway, you know, and just say, hey, you know, let's talk, or I can see this is going on. And yeah, how's it going? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's all it takes is for somebody to step up and just kind of reach out and just say, hey, how's it going? And, uh, form yeah. that little bond because you're right first year teachers oh my god there was plenty yeah. of times I thought oh I've made a horrible mistake well, in like this you say, the, the people that are making the big difference the most influential I think we often think is this long amount of time but Charlie Hamill I believe is his name that superintendent was uh, I've known he probably would have been in my top two I've had we had one here and then one in Indiana I worked for who just had that kind of Good, good old boy, easy way about him, and made the right decision, and yep. could explain anything to you. And, and uh, he mm. was—I think he was that way. And I just never got to know him because I was just holding on for dear life. Right, keep your head above water. You know, teaching grade five through twelve Oof. local music uh, with two or three elementaries. I think it might have been two. And then, like I said, yeah, they had had numerous teachers in that position. Yeah, so the kids just viewed you. Oh, here's yeah. another one that's going to last oh, a couple oh, of weeks. Oh, yeah, and they didn't care. It was, yeah, it was, it was take, I learned it would take four years. I don't care where you go. It takes mm -hmm. four years to build any program. All right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and only two years to totally ruin it. Mm -hmm. and, last uh, time, yes. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, in every job I've ever taken, about that fourth year when the kids are yours, if you have 9 through 12, uh, you have probably instilled most of the teaching things you're going to instill. But um, so anyway, yeah. But eight teachers. I mean, I just multiply that. You have know, sixteen years to the bad, so to speak. And, That's crazy. Uh, uh, but those that that superintendent in that one instance. Then there had been other times where he had talked with me, but not. You know, he was superintendent. Uh, he had a lot to do. Um, but that one instance, that was very. Mm. That was a big. A big deal for me. Absolutely. Just think uh, if he didn't have the guts to say that or if he wasn't yeah, the one there. I don't know that I'd been teaching. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wow. probably would have taught. I don't think I'd be teaching in Indiana for sure. I yeah. would have gone to another state and applied and been okay. That's amazing. Wow, what a great way to uh, end part one here because we definitely got to have a part two and more, I think, of this. <laughs> That'd be great. Enjoyed uh, it. Looking at the clock, and then I know both of us, uh, you printed out your schedule of yeah. parents coming in, and yeah. I have mine, so we do have a number of parents getting ready to come in here soon. Uh, but, Jeff, yeah, this is very enjoyable. Thank you so much yeah, for thank joining Thank you, John. Me. It's always nice to 
to talk, we do this, we do it a lot. It's kind of weird to record it. Absolutely. <laughs> no, and it's good because it's, it's nice to, maybe some people out there can learn a few things, whether they're in teaching yeah. or not, you know, and I think that's holds true for everything. Yeah, so. I hope so, because I, I hate to think you go through all this for nothing. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, folks, I'll put uh, Jeff's uh, contact information for his, uh, his podcast in the show notes. And uh, we'll get, like I said, a part two here. We'll talk about some more things and have some fun and more laughs. And I hope you enjoyed this. All right, folks, this is Coach John Daly signing off again for today. So, again, find me over on Facebook at Coach2ExpectSuccess, over on Twitter at Coach2Success, on Instagram at Coach John Daly, and then, of course, on my website, Coach2ExpectSuccess.com. There's a book list there on the homepage. You can contact me there, too. And uh, I just really appreciate all the listeners out there. you got over 11,000 downloads now. I swear, 30 different countries. It's just flabbergasting that, you know, those of you out there have uh, been sharing the message and uh, helping me out with this, and I really, really appreciate it. So, hey, good talking to you. Keep taking care of yourselves and each other. We'll talk again soon. See you.